Hey guys, my name is Pastor Ron. So glad that you tuned in to the podcast of Allentown Fellowship Church. Each week we're going to endeavor just to walk through the Bible book by book and then give you some truths that you can apply to your life. So welcome to the AFC podcast. Trust and pray that God's word today will be a blessing to you. All right, Mark chapter seven. We're going to start at verse number 20. Twenty-four. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Twenty-four. We're gonna start at verse twenty-four. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, what's the next point? <laughs> no. <laughs> I just had a brain freeze. Wow. I'm looking at the verse. I couldn't say the number. I don't know what happened there. Mark, as he is again giving the account of Jesus Christ, we came off of Jesus dealing with what defiles a person last week. Pharisees are all caught up in the washings, the ritualistic cleaning, because they wanted to make sure that they stayed undefiled in the eyesight of God. And so when they see the disciples not following these ritualistic cleanings, they confront Jesus. And remember, it's really an indictment on the rabbi, because these are your disciples, and they are not doing what the tradition says they ought to do. They're not following the protocol for being clean by going through these washings. They're not washing their hands. And remember the question, why do your disciples, why is it that they are not holding to the teachings of the elders? We saw last week that Jesus Christ totally turns their way of thinking on its head. You Pharisees are so concerned about cleaning the outward, going through all these ritualistic washings, and you are raising your teachings, your traditions above the commandments of God. And we see that happen even in our day to day. Man decides these are the things you need to do to be right with God. And Jesus, throughout his entire ministry, he comes on the scene and he's constantly flipping on the head the teachings of the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. Why? Because they're not the teachings of God. The Pharisees, he calls them what? Hypocrites. You say one thing, you're putting forth as if you are these godly men and you're not. You are a bunch of hypocrites. You're doing all this outward stuff. And because people see the outward things that you are doing, they think you're godly men. You're spiritual. And Jesus says, unless you repent, you will die in your sins. Wow. That, that ought to be a challenge to us. God is not interested in what you can do to make yourself clean. Spiritually speaking, because there's nothing you can do. And the Pharisees are acting as if they are God's chosen, God's spokespersons, and yet Jesus is constantly challenging them, you don't know my father. As a matter of fact, in one gospel, he says what to the Pharisees? You are of your father, the devil. Wow. I love that about Jesus, that he could care less about title, Man authority, doesn't matter. 
God's authority trumps everything. God's truth trumps everything. So we had to teach them last week that what defiles a person is the heart of man. Not you washing your hands, not you going through all these ritualistic things on the outside. Defilement comes from the heart of man. And unless our hearts are changed supernaturally by God through Christ, you are still defiled. I don't care how good you make the outside look. Jesus now, as we move into this next portion, he's going to go into a Gentile area. And remember what the Jews thought about the Gentiles. They're unclean. He just came off of this discourse, Matt or Mark shows us, where he has to set them straight about what defiles a person, right? They thought ritualistic, don't touch a Gentile, stay away from the Gentiles. And now Jesus purposely heads into Gentile territory. Again, doing something that the disciples and those around him would say, like, what are you doing? Why are you going into unclean territory? And as we come to this passage, we're going to see Jesus heal this woman's daughter. But we're also going to see that he's going to, by healing her, puts forth a glimpse of ultimately what he came to do, which was what? To be the savior of all Not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles. So let's ask God to open up our eyes. Father, as we get into your word now, we do pray that you would give us spiritual understanding. Help us to understand the truth of this passage. And then, Father, the applications for our own lives. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's start at 24. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. So he's in Gentile territory and he entered a house and did not want anyone to know. Yet he could not be hidden. We still see Jesus trying to get away, just trying to get some rest. But remember his popularity. Earlier on, there were people who came from this same region when they heard about his fame. And now he's going back into the same region, Gentile area, perhaps because maybe the Pharisees aren't going to be hanging out there. Right. Bunch of Jewish folk aren't going to be hanging out there. Let me go where they're not going to be so I can just get some rest. Look what happens. Yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him, came and fell down at his feet. So she comes and gives this this falling down at his feet as as a way of, of giving him worship. Look at 26. Now the woman was a Gentile. Why does Mark tell us that? Because again, probably most of Mark's readers are Gentile believers. And they're looking again at this Messiah, breaking the rules, entering into the life of, quote unquote, the unclean, the Gentile person. But not only was she a Gentile, she was a Syrophoenician by birth. Now, if you go back and do a little bit of uh, research on on where her ethnicity arose from, the Canaanites. Do they sound familiar? Again, as as we read this, it's hard sometimes because we're not Jews of this time. We're not Gentiles of this time. 
But understand, as they're reading this, this would have been very vivid to them, the backdrop of what's going on here. Wait a minute. Jesus Christ is going and interacting with the Canaanite? Weren't those the people that Jehovah said to do what to? Wipe them out. Right? If, if you have a Jewish background here and you're listening to this and you're reading this narrative, you're thinking, wait a minute, what is he doing with her? Why is he even interacting with people who historically were known as the enemies of God's chosen people? And now he's interacting with one. You see, God, God is breaking down barriers. He's breaking down these ethnic barriers. This is what the Jewish people had a hard time grasping. A Syro, uh, Cyro, uh, say that word again, Syrophoenician, yes, by birth. Look at her request. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Now, again, it's, it's interesting what Jesus says here. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Ooh, well, that was rude. That, that can you read that? You got to, wow, is this Jesus? Ooh, it's interesting because, you know, some commentators don't like the fact that he said this, so they try to smooth it over as if, well, what he meant. No, he meant what he said. <laughs> he meant what he said. Don't try to smooth over what Jesus said, but catch contextually, historically, what's going on here. The Jews were known as the children of God. The Gentiles, who were considered unclean, were referred to as dogs. That's the way it was in the culture. That's just the way it was. And Jesus is merely stating something that she knew culturally to be true. You're asking me, a Jew, to do something for you? No, I'm... I'm about feeding the children. I'm, I'm, I'm a Jewish rabbi. I'm here to preach to God's chosen ones, the Jews. You're just a dog. You're not supposed to get the food first. Well, Jesus is being racist. I've heard people say that. No, he's not being racist. He's saying the way the culture is. This is the way the culture is. It would be Similar to this, if you were a slave owner and I'm a slave, and that's just the way it is, and I walk up to you and say, listen, I'd like to get the weekend off. <laughs> you want to get the weekend off. Uh, you want some PTO, some paid time off. Uh, Ron, don't you know you're a slave? That's kind of what's going on. Like, Why are you even asking me that? You're a slave. So you got to understand what's happening culturally here. See, when Jesus came and walked the earth, he did ministry within the culture. And, and there's nuances within the culture that he didn't try to undo or change right away because he, he's on mission and he's operating through the culture. Okay, you have to understand that when you study God's word, we look at it through our culture, our contemporary way of thinking, and things hit us the wrong way. It's no different than you see Jesus sometimes healing people and then saying what? Don't tell anybody. But then there's other times he heals people and says what? 
go offer to the priest the proper sacrifice because that's culturally what you were supposed to do. We got to understand something here. As Jesus is doing ministry in a culture, it doesn't mean that he approves all things that are happening in the culture. We got to understand that because when I hear the critic look at passages like this and try to debunk who Jesus is because of this, they're not being fair to what is going on culturally. All right. Everything in scripture is not describing this is the way it needs to be or should be, but it's operating within the way things were at the time. That's just an interpretative principle you got to remember when you read scripture. That's why it's so important to get behind the text and to read some books on what's going on here in this Jewish context. So nothing in the eyesight of Jesus, in the eyesight of this Gentile woman is abnormal here. Nothing is abnormal here. It seems abnormal to us. She makes the request, but not just makes the request. She begs him. She pleads with him. Please cast out the demon out of my daughter. And again, Jesus said, let the children be fed first. He didn't say only. He said first. I've come to give the gospel to the Jews first and then the Gentiles. You'll see that theme throughout scripture. We're going to look at some other passages in a minute here. But notice what he says. The children to be fed first. Let them be fed first. For it is not right to take the children's bread, what, what God has for his chosen ones, the Jews, and throw it to the unclean dogs, the Gentiles. Literally, throw it to the little dogs is what that word means. So the Jesus kind of have in mind here, not so much these rabia-infested dogs that roamed all around, scavenging off of garbage heaps, but he, he uses the phrase little dogs, which would be a domesticated dog. I think that's interesting. You see that in the original. <laughs> He's talking about you're a little dog. Now, I don't know if you, if you own a dog. I know you guys own a dog. Right? You guys have a dog too, right? Oh, that's right. You got, you got the whole hound over. You got the three, four. That's right, the yappers, right? So, 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 so we can appreciate, appreciate what the woman is about to say now. Jesus just called to her response or her request. He said, I'm here for the children first. And it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And look at what the woman says. Obviously, he's using a metaphor here, but he's talking about something that is real culturally. But she answered him, yes, Lord. Wow, let's stop there. Yes, Lord. The disciples still don't get it that he's Lord. The Pharisees still don't get it that he's Lord. Here is an unclean Gentile woman acknowledging Lord. Wow, what a slap in the face to these Jewish people who are refusing to call him Lord. It's no small thing that she responds this way. Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs 
under the table eat the children's crumbs. Wow. Again, some commentators, which I don't agree with, again, you know, people may not agree with me too, that's okay. But some commentators say, ah, she got Jesus. Jesus threw this little riddle at her. You're a dog. You don't deserve anything right now. It's about the children. And she says, ah, but even the little dogs are on the table. They get stuff that falls off. Gotcha, Jesus. Ah. No, that's, I don't think that's the attitude of this woman at all. This woman is realizing, I know culturally my position. Get this. I'm a Gentile. I'm unclean. The Jews are God's chosen people. The Messiah is coming for the Jews first. I get that. This is an act of humility by this woman. I understand my place. But even as a little dog, Jesus, the little dogs get to eat the crumbs when they fall off the table. I'm begging you. Heal my little girl. Can I have a little crumb of your mercy? I know I don't deserve any of it. I'm a dog. Okay, granted. Yes. Okay. I'm unclean. Okay. You're here for the Jews first. Okay. I get it. Yes. But can I just have a crumb? Can I just have a crumb just like the little dog get, get a little crumb when the, when, when the kids are eating their food because the family is most important, more important than that little dog. And that's why the kids get to eat first. You see all the pictures here. But even that kid is going to drop part of his biscuit. He's going to drop a chicken wing. And the dog's going to take it. Like, can I just, can you get the picture in your head, right? This is an act of this woman not trying to outwit Jesus. This is an act of this woman recognizing her uncleanness, recognizing she deserves nothing from the Messiah because the Messiah is coming for the Jews first. Then the Gentiles, but right now, culturally, what's going on now? The focus was on Israel. The focus was on the Jews. And the Gentiles are over here right now. God had a plan for them. We're going to see that laid out, right? Remember the other passage when we had the disciples sent out by Jesus two by two, right? Remember that passage? He said, go proclaim the gospel. And if they reject it, shake the dust off of your feet. Judgment's coming to them. He came to the house of Israel first. But then notice he's going to shift and the gospel is going to be expanded to all people. But right now he's on mission to the house of Israel headed to the cross. And she says, I get that. I don't deserve any of this, but I'm begging you. Can I have a little bit of your mercy? Watch this. Not even for herself. For my daughter. She's not asking for anything for her. She's asking that you might heal my daughter. And look at what Jesus says. For this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. For this statement, and, and this is where commentators, I think they get it wrong. I think they get it wrong. They say, see, because of the way she, she was able to switch it back on them. She turned it back on them. 
called her a little dog. She said, yeah, even little dogs get a crumb. Gotcha. You got to do it for me. And Jesus is like, all right, you got me. I, I, I'm going to heal your daughter. I, that is not what's going on here. Now, how do we know that? Why do I believe that? We're going to turn here in a minute to Matthew's account. But notice what he says. For this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. For what statement? Because of her faith. Because she believed that he could heal her daughter. She believed that he was what? How did she address him? Lord, you're not just a rabbi. And I don't deserve anything from you. But I'm begging, I'm pleading on behalf of your mercy. Jesus says, your faith, because of that faith in me, your daughter is healed. And notice, and she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Wow. God shows mercy on this Greek unclean woman why? Why? Because of the faith that she placed in him. Now, let's turn over. Just, it's always important when you're reading an account. Matthew 15. When you're in the Gospels, to always look and see if that same narrative, that same story is told in another place in the Gospel. It's important to do that, guys. Because... The Gospels all complement one another, one another. They don't contradict one another. Another thing the critic loves to say, you know, oh, the, the, the synoptic Gospels contradict. No, they don't. You put them all together and they fit together like a puzzle. Remember, each of the authors of the synoptic Gospels are trying to focus on a main point. Let's look at Matthew's account of the same story starting at 15. Matthew 15, 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, notice what Matthew says, a Canaanite woman. He uses the word Canaanite. A Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying. Watch this. Have mercy on me, O Lord. Look what Matthew adds. Son of David. She, she's recognizing this is more than just a teacher. Lord, you are so much more. Again, what the Pharisees and even his own disciples have not recognized. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon, but he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him saying, send her away, for she is crying out after us. Stop right there. These are his disciples. She comes begging healing for her daughter. Look at the disciples' response. Send her away, Lord. Wow. Where's their compassion? Where's their compassion? What's going on in these disciples' minds? Come on, she's a Phoenician. She's a Canaanite woman. Really? Master don't have time for you? Even the disciples don't get it. But Jesus Christ is a man of compassion. But notice what happens. Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. There it is. 
Mark said what? The children are to be fed first. The Gospels are saying the same thing. The children are the people of Israel. And here Jesus explicitly tells us what? I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Wow. Yes, Lord. I don't deserve the meal. And yes, I understand my place as being unclean and unworthy, but even dogs get to pick up a crumb. Would you give me a crumb, Lord? Again, the humility of this woman. Now notice how the response is different than in Mark's account. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your There it is. Great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Here's the grace of Jesus Christ. There's a glimpse of the fullness of the gospel and ultimately what the gospel is going to accomplish a light to the Jew and the Gentile. You know, it's important to understand this, that, that God chose to work with a nation, the people of Israel, to, to kind of roll out his plan of redemption. And you have to understand that as you look at texts like this, God is doing something through his chosen people. But as time went on and Calvary would come and the resurrection would come, you're going to see the Jewish believers even struggling with the place of the Gentiles in God's economy of the gospel. Here, we get a little glimpse because the cross has not come yet. The resurrection has not come yet. But we get a little glimpse of God's desire to save all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, including the Gentile. Even though he says, I was sent to the people Israel, my people Israel. Let's, let's look at a couple of other passages that, that, that ring this truth home. Let's look over at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. And now we're jumping after the resurrection. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, starting at verse 11. Now Christ has already risen. The churches are now being established. And notice what Paul says in Ephesians 2, starting at verse 11. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision. That was another name they called them. You uncircumcised believers, you dogs. <laughs> now, now remember, we're in Ephesians now. So we're on the other side of the resurrection. Look how things have changed. 
He says, remember, at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, the Jews called you this, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Catch it? You were separated from the commonwealth of Israel. Remember how Jesus came? I came to the lost sheep of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise. You guys are on the outside. This, this was God working with the nation of Israel. But what these Jewish people forgot, God chose to work with Israel first and then included the Gentiles later. Look what he says. Having no hope and without God in the world. 13 is pivotal. But now, I love that. I love that. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far, that's the Gentiles, off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Wow. Full rights, full standing, just like God's chosen people, the Jews. For he himself, oh, hold on, don't skip this. How could I skip this? But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. For he himself is our peace. Now watch this. Who has made us both one, Jew and Gentile. Jew and Gentile. You're no longer dogs. You're no longer unclean. Jesus has come, he has died, he has paid the price for all sin. He got up out of the grave to authenticate who he was, bringing the Jew and the Gentile in the presence of a holy God. And that Jew and Gentile, you are now brothers in Christ. Amen. This is what the Jewish believers had a hard time accepting. Look at what he says. 14, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Man, go back to Mark and the things that we're seeing. The hostility that's there between the Jews and the Gentiles. These unclean, uncircumcised dogs were God's chosen. Jesus came and just destroyed all that thinking because we are now one in Christ. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both Jew and Gentile to God in one body. How? Through washing of your hands? The Jewish ordinances? No, through the cross. Your religion, your rituals, they do nothing. It's the cross of Christ. It's the blood of Christ. Thereby killing the hostility. 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we, here it is again, both, have access. 
Not just you, Mr. Jew, but we were the chosen ones. Yes, God worked with you first. But the plan from the very beginning was always all people. Go back to Abraham. When Abraham was given the promise, I'm going to make you a nation. Look up at the stars that you can't even number to include the Jews and the Gentiles. Look at what he says. 18. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens. And with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Wow. Mark's account of the Syrophoenician woman getting her request granted, I believe, is a glimpse of the bigger picture of what Jesus was going to ultimately accomplish. Salvation for Jews and Gentiles. Go all the way back to Mark. But as they see Jesus interacting with these Gentiles, they're scratching their head. What is he doing? What is he doing? The Messiah is for us. For us. Yes, to you Jews first, but then the Gentiles. Probably one of the most prominent stories in the New Testament where Jesus had to teach Peter this lesson is when Cornelius sends for Peter. Cornelius being a Gentile God-fearer and Peter being sent to go preach the gospel to him. But before he went to preach the gospel, remember he sees the vision of a sheet coming down with pork chops on it and baby back ribs. And God says, go eat. And Peter says, not so. See, Peter was a good Jew. He was a good Jew. You're not allowed to eat that. That's unclean. That's the stuff the Gentiles eat. Now, that wasn't a lesson in dietary, you know, what you should eat for your diet. He was trying to show Peter something. Christ has died. Christ has risen. And the gospel is for all people. When Peter goes to Cornelius, he realizes, now I know that salvation has come to the Gentiles also. Through the same way it has come to the Jews. Christ. Wow. You see that all throughout the New Testament. Right now, we're back in Mark. We're back in the earthly time of Christ where they don't understand all this. So they're having a problem with who Christ is ministering to, not realizing that ultimately his blood would bring both ethnic groups together, one in Christ. Folks, this has tremendous implications for what we do today and how we talk about the gospel. We look at our culture today and we look at all the unrest that's happening today the racism in our culture, the, the, the political unrest, people dividing over all these different issues, right? Do you know what the one answer is? It's real simple. It's Christ. 
It really is. And listen, I'm not against all of these forums that are popping up and forum on this and reconciliation and we need to have a conversation here and you go on the internet, they're all over the place. Everybody's doing what? Trying to put forth an answer. What do we need to do? What do we need to do? Here's what we need to do. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Realize that in Christ, you and I are one. Doesn't matter your color, your ethnicity, your economic situation. It doesn't matter. The Jews had a hard time allowing the privilege to the Gentiles, even after the Gentiles came to know Christ, because the Jews struggled with, but we're kind of better than you because we're Jewish. No, you're not. No, you're not. So Paul says in Romans, so what advantage is it to be a Jew then? Because God did choose them. And Paul answers that question. Well, there, there was an advantage for the Jew. To them, we're given the gospel first. <laughs> that was your advantage. You got to hear it first. But you're no better than a Gentile. And this is, the Pharisees had a hard time grasping this. And so they were filled with themselves. They were hypocrites. We're God's chosen people. Jesus said to God's chosen people, the Pharisees, Unless you repent, you will die in your sins. You are of your father, the devil. That tells you right there, just being an ethnic Jew is not enough. <laughs> he just told you you're going to hell. And then Christ rises from the dead. And even Peter had to learn the implications of the gospel. There is now neither Jew, nor Greek, nor male, nor female, nor free man, nor bond man. We are all one in Christ. What is he saying? What matters is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Man, that's the message we got to give to Allentown. I don't care if you're an addict. I don't care if you were incarcerated multiple times. I don't care if you have five kids by five different people. None of that has a standing as to whether or not you are worthy or unworthy to receive God's grace. None of that. The only reason you can receive God's grace is because of God's grace. Period. That's it. Because God chose. Here in his love, not that you loved him, he loved you first and gave his son to die for you. This is the message of hope that needs to come to this community with all of the poorness, homeless, and all the stuff going on. It is Christ that can make you a new man, a new woman. Christ. Well, you want to understand what I've done. I don't need to understand what you've done. Christ died for it. Everything was nailed to the cross. This is the message we're trying to bring to the people here in Allentown. This is the message that you need to understand. Your standing before a holy God has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with who Christ is and what Christ did period. Man, that is liberating. That is liberating to me. Because I know I'm going to fail. I know I'm going to sin. I know I'm going to mess up. Now, some people say, well, I, that's, I can't believe that because then you're just going to run out and do whatever you want to do and say, well, you're just forgiven. A true believer will not do that. A true believer will not do that. John is very clear about that. 
He who has been brought into the light cannot keep on sinning. The idea is you, you don't, oh, I can do whatever I want now. You can't have that attitude as a true believer. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit's going to convict you. You're going to be miserable. Why? Because you're a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Now, there's a sanctification process, right? We're not going to be perfect overnight. But to know that even as I'm stumbling like tumbleweed, <laughs> sometimes walking and then sometimes stumbling, none of that has bearing on my standing with a holy God. Christ has already paid it off. Man, I can lay my head down at night knowing that in the midst of issues in my life that I'm trying to work through to be more like Christ, that if I were to die in my sleep, I stand fully justified in front of a holy God. But you were still struggling with sin. Yeah, I know. Well, well why, why are you going to be able to stand justified? Because my justification is not on my works. It's based on Christ. That's the message of the gospel. And we got to be excited to give that message to this community, but to believe it for ourselves. Amen. God, I thank you for your word today. God, we see your grace in working out this situation for this Greek woman, Christ, showing compassion, showing love, showing mercy. God, we're on the other side, so we're looking back. So now we know the full story. Because of Christ and the resurrection, we are now one in Christ. He is, he was the true Messiah, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. God, I pray that that gospel would resonate in our hearts and create in us a sense of gratefulness and that we live our lives in such a way that it shows how grateful we are to know what Christ went through to die for my sin that I might be justified in the presence of a holy God. It ought to invoke a willingness to serve you and to love you not to earn our salvation, but because of our salvation through Christ alone. So God, I pray that you will work these truths in our hearts. Help us to articulate this message clearly to those people that you bring in our path. Help us, God, to take to them the hope of the gospel. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the AFC Podcast. I hope and pray today's word has challenged you to align your thinking with God's word. If you would like to come visit us for one of our services, we would love to have you. We are located at 457 West Allen Street in Allentown, Pennsylvania. We are in what is called the Daybreak Room, which is housed in the Dubs Community Center. 457 West Allen Street, Allentown, PA. Our services start at 1 p.m. So if you're looking for a church that sticks to the word of God, come on out and join us. We'd love to see you. Till next time, God bless.